Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts. Leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson, and alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And thank you for not saying what's up. What's up, up everybody? Anyways, <laughs> let's talk today about uh, how bright the Phoenix Suns' future is. Devin Booker dropping 70 points. It was unreal. It was unreal in the midst of March Madness. Devin Booker dropping 70 points. It was ridiculous. Uh, we're also talking about can the Boston Celtics become the number one seed in the East, overcoming the Cavs. Only one game back right now. And then we're also going to be talking about should we care about the NBA season if the players don't, kind of talking about the rest uh, that the players mm-hmm. have been taking and kind of taking days off and this whole spiel that's going on, uh, going on in the NBA. But let's jump in to the Phoenix Suns because, man, that was an unreal performance from Devin Booker. Shot over 50% from the field, went to the line 26 times, put up 70 points, the most since Kobe put up 81. Let's talk a little bit about Devin Booker first and just that what he did. I mean, that was unreal, Dave. It was unreal you what Devin Booker did. You couldn't stop him. And, you know, the funny thing is this was against the Celtics. This is a team known for their defensive capabilities. And he's he jumped on against, a Marcus Smart, too. Saying, Marcus Smart over Jay. I mean, over everybody they had, they couldn't stop him. And it the funny thing is, yeah, there was some stuff after the game that kind of made it sound like the Celtics, even though they won the game, a little bit sore about that 70 points. Yeah, it was sore. It was unreal. I mean, you remember watching Kobe drop that 81, yes, right? Yes, I Good do. Lord. I do. What, what, were, what do you think is more impressive, Kobe dropping 81 like he did or Devin Booker doing this at 20 years old? I th- I'm going to go with Kobe dropping 81 because it's one of the things with me. Like I, yeah. I said to Dave because we were at the Bulls Sixers game oh, last shameless night. Plug. Oh, so it was one you. of those things where I even mentioned to him as I we're walking invited. out. Like, <laughs> do we do we now say that oh he's one of the greats because like you list all these like legends like oh, yeah. Wilt, Kobe, Elgin Baylor, and it's like and Devin Booker. Have now scored at least. It's interesting company. Everyone's like, and that's not all of them, but it's like you get all these big names, and then at the end of the tweet, and now Devin Booker. That's the thing. He's either (laughs) going to become a legend, and that's going to be looking like a a proper list. No, I know it's hard to say. No, what I'm saying is either he's going to become a legend Mm -hmm. and be you know appropriately in that list, or he's going to be a weird fun fact. Like how many Hall of Fame? There's you know seven Hall of Famers that scored over seventy points, and there's one Devin Booker. (laughs) So like it's going to be interesting to see how he plays. He's only twenty. That's unreal. He's not even like he turns. He He could could be a junior in college right now. I think he turns twenty one in in what's it called in October. So next season he'll be twenty one. Couldn't even go out to a bar to celebrate. I bet he celebrated. I, I bet <laughs> he did as well. But to me, the most important, like impressive thing I'll say from this stat line, from this game, is like you mentioned, I looked at the foul numbers and I went 24 of 26 mm. from the line. That's just because I was expecting, oh, 70 points. He probably had like a phenomenal day from beyond the arc, yep. Steph Curry style. He only went no. 4 of 11. Yeah. I was like, wow, he, he was actually like getting to he the line, getting points. 24 points from the line. Then 21 of 40. From the field, and there was the one clip, Dave, we were watching it beforehand, where right before a timeout, he just shoots it and drains it. And it's just one of those things where it's like, 
when you got it going, you got it going. Well, he, yeah. he got fouled on one where it was he got fouled on a, on a foul call that was called on the ground, and he shoots it anyways yep. and, and drains it. And then a timeout was called and shoots it on the Celtics net with Jay in his face. Mm-hmm. And just because. Just I mean, it's unreal what the kid's doing. And, and looking at his stat line uh, so far, the one thing that really sticks out to me is, yes, he's short, shooting 42% from the field. Yes, he's shooting 36% from three. He's averaging 21 a night, but he doesn't have a per that hits 15. I think it's at like 13.65 right now. Like yeah. him not having a 15 per, it's it's weird because usually 15 means you're an average NBA player. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at least to the per, he's a below average player. What is it about Devin Booker that you are excited for about his future specifically? Because obviously you can put up uh, points and numbers. He's only 21, year, uh, 20 years old. Yeah. Do you think that he has enough school, tool sets outside of the scoring to make this a long uh, NBA career where he's becoming a multiple all-star? Uh, see, that's a tough question because, like Ricky, I kind of want to lean towards the cautious side and be like, this might just be like a weird footnote kind of a thing that he did. But he he legit could be like a piece to build around. I think him on this team is fantastic. Like, it's a great young team, good core to build around. So I, I think with Devin Booker, the, the upside is, yeah, he's a scoring monster. And if you have one of those on your team, you don't ever have to worry about, you know, going shot for shot with another mm-hmm. team because you can default to go and just run the offense through Devin. You'll be fine. My concern is, yeah, how well he can round out the rest of his game. I'm not, I'm not, not super, uh, super positive. On and that. I feel like we're leaning more towards the Phoenix Suns topic now. Of you know, can the players around him help? You know, create help him create his shots. Wise, and, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, do you think that Devin Booker at least can be the focal point of the Suns, or do you think that it might need to be somebody else, like someone who can have the ball in their hands consistently and create for their teammates? Because while Devin Booker is a fantastic scorer, and he did have I think six assists last night, um, do you think that he can become a player that can be you know more of a guy that can run the offense, or you think he's more of that scorer? Do you think he can I think be, he's a scorer. Do you think he's only a scorer, well, or do you not, think he could develop into that in the guard? Not only a scorer, but like when Dave says, oh, how does he round out the rest of his game? There are pieces on this Suns team already mm-hmm. that gives me hope, because the one thing you got to think of, in college, Devin Booker never had to be the guy that we saw in the 70-point game. And his la- in his only season in college... He had Carl Anthony Towns. I hear that dude is pretty good. He's okay. I hear, he's okay, yeah. I hear he's a pretty good player. He Overrated. had the, Har- the Harrison Twins and Willie Cully Stein. Oh, and then Trey Lyles and Dakari Johnson were also on that team. Tyler Eulis was don't a bench his best player ever. in that game. And this was, like, at Kentucky, he never had to be the focal point. They had an entire group of starting five that could do it each and every night. And now I look at this team, and he's got Tyler Eulis next to him. Tyler Eulis can score, but he can be more of the facilitator. Devin Booker can be your scorer. If Chris can develop, give me some more things down low, kind of build on what he's doing this year, those are my three main pieces. And I know TJ Warren's there. I'll be honest. I go for a shooting guard or small forward, pardon me, in this draft. If you're number three, you kind of get your pick between Tatum and Jackson, who mm-hmm. we talked last week, get another young guy in there. And then basically after that, it's how is Bender going to fit in when he's over here? And then in the second, I mean, He's already here. Well, he's just hurt. I mean, the how he's going to play when he's actually on the court, when he's actually contributing to this team consistently. Mm-hmm. The only hole for me is at the center, is Alex Len. 
Because to me, I don't think Alex Len is the long-term solution well, at center. But at center, you're not really going, man, I wish we had one of those top but, 10 centers. But then again, if you have Bender and Chris, mm-hmm. those guys are tall enough. If you do want to roll with those yeah. young guys and they're both but playing at their, at their peak. Would you really you roll can slide, four or five consistently, you can, you though? Can slide, you could slide Chris over and have him play you the center. And then, have Bender play, freak, yeah. Yeah, and then have Bender play power forward. So I'm just saying you would probably it, yeah. go out and get a guy who can be just your center. But, but you would have a great core with Booker, Ulyss, Chris. And the small forward. When you have those in. two guys and Chris and Bender, two mm-hmm. guys that were top ten picks, Bender going fourth and Chris mm-hmm. going eight, you expect those guys to be starters for you. And if you're going to be starters, you're going to have to play maybe out of your position if you're Marquise Chris. Um, I mean, he's having a, he's having a great season. You've been seeing some spurts from there. Uh, I mean, I'd probably put him like fourth in, in the NBA Rookie of the Year. I was going to say, uh, his last ten, last ten games, he's putting up almost 14 points a game, seven boards. And you, you like what you see out of him. You know, he's getting some more minutes now that uh, the Suns have decided to go and embrace the full-on tank. Mm-hmm. And bench players like Tyson Chandler, like Brandon Knight, uh, obviously different reasons. Bledsoe. But Bledsoe, getting less time, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, across the board, it's I like that they're kind of forcing this young core to play together and, you know, see how well they can gel at the end of the season. Yeah, and that's the thing I want to bring up is, obviously, I think it was two days ago, before the Celtics game, uh, mm-hmm. the Suns started the, had the youngest starting five in NBA history. Uh, they started Tyler Ulis, uh, Derek Jones, who was in the dunk contest, Devin Booker, Marquise Chris, and Alex Lund. It was an average of 21 years and 14 days, and it was younger than seven of the eight teams that played in the Sweet 16 that mm-hmm. night. So that's unreal that they, they are such a youthful team, and obviously, you know, they're not having a fantastic season. This Devin Booker uh, you know this Devin Booker seventy point performance is the the biggest highlight of their season. Absolutely. Um, but you do have all the pieces that Ricky mentioned, I and mean, mm-hmm. you obviously have the top pick, or, or you know at least top A-top, five pick yeah. right now, right now in the, mm-hmm. in the NBA draft. If, if the lottery falls out the way that uh, all the percentages are leaning, and right now uh, you know you have Bledsoe, who uh, and you have Knight. I think Knight's locked up till twenty twenty. I'm not entirely sure on Bledsoe's contract right now, um, but he's only twenty seven years old. Yeah. Knight's still young, uh, so that point guard situation, especially with Ulysses behind. I mean, I think your point guard's pretty set. Uh, shooting guard, some kid named Devin Booker. Heard he's okay. He's all right. Um, <laughs> Obviously, we're talking about is his game limited to just being a scorer, but if it is just limited to be a scorer, I'll take the 21 points per game that he's putting up. I mean, that's not that bad. Um, and then, obviously, the small forward position, TJ Warren, more of a scorer off the bench. Uh, I, I agree with you there. I think he's he's got a piece uh, and, and a place on the Phoenix Suns, uh, but it's more off the bench. He's a good scorer from uh, out of NC State. Uh, then, obviously, a power forward and center. We talked about Bender and Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Len might be a decent bench player, but then again, he might, might, want, might, 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 might want money mm, to be a yes. starter somewhere else. So, I think right now they have at least the starting five mm-hmm. kind of molded out once they draft a Jackson or Tatum if they're in that slot. And I want to throw a wrench into that. And before I do, Bledsoe up to 2019 is when his contract is compiched. Two more years. I'm going to throw this out there. This is kind of a wrench in the plan. What if they get the first or the second overall pick? What if they do, based off of just lottery, I'm not saying they're going to lose more games, be less. What if they get the one or the two? Do you then go, (laughs) hey, you know what? Tatum and Jackson are still the guys we're picking from? Or do you look at it and go, Hey, we can get Fultz or Ball. I think it puts Josh Jackson in the mix. I think it for still, a top two pick. Think, you mean? Uh, yeah, I think it still leaves because uh, I mean some people still think that Josh Jackson's the best player in mm-hmm. the draft. Uh, I mean, you look at his athleticism; it's undeniable. Oh, now, uh, now we're talking athleticism with Josh Jackson. Okay, <laughs> Dave. I was drinking the Kool Aid on Tatum. I don't want to go back. I, I was drinking the the Kool Aid on. And Tatum. then the Kansas game I, happened that night. I, I was the, drinking the yeah. Kool Aid on Jackson. The kids Too bad are free. Tatum didn't have another game to play. The kids are freak. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, people think that Josh Jackson's the best player in the NBA draft. So, I mean, I don't think it's too out of 
his range to say that he could be going number one overall, but I think it does put into a throw wrench, like you said, uh, to whether Ball, Fultz, or, or, or Jackson, and then especially with uh, Bledsoe and Knight's contract, that could just get you that's, more picks. That's yeah. what To me, that's what it looks like. If this Phoenix Suns team, maybe with the ping pong balls, can get even up to two. I'm not saying get one, mm-hmm. just get up to two. Then you can go ahead and say... Let's move some of these uh, some of these vets we have because contracts, we're yeah. going to go with either a Fultz or a Ball, whoever falls to us, and we can trade Bledsoe and maybe Knight for some more picks. I want to I want to go back to that because I think it's an interesting mm-hmm. conversation. But saying they stay where they are yep. at that three range, mm-hmm. you have Jackson, you have Tatum. We talked about them last week. Um, obviously, Devin Booker's phenomenal score. We went through the whole list. Um, yeah, the thing honestly that concerns me with Dev, like one of the biggest things is like his ball handling because. His assist to turnover ratio is about one to one, but he does have to create a lot. I mean, and that's true. he's and on that's a bad team. When you're team. the pure score on that team, you know the the problem is with such a young team, you're not always going to get the best looks available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's one of the things by adding more weapons around, they're going to kind of fill that out. And I think that, like I said, we like Chris's development. We think that there's there's a lot of good pieces here. But he needs to be a little more careful with the ball, and again, it's it's kind of building out the rest of that game. So I'm I'm leaning heavily towards like where I want him to be in the future is like can he build a game kind of similar to like a Demar Derozan or like where is he gonna kind of like flush out like where's his top end gonna be? I was gonna throw out a different name because I think I, not really similar body wise. Uh, but a different name where um, where where he might end up. Obviously, they're they're different uh, mm-hmm. di- different bodies uh, types uh, between these two players. But can he be a smaller Carmelo Anthony? Because I look at his scoring, I look at the high percentage that he can. He's a decent three point per, uh, three point shooter. I think that that percentage of thirty six percent can even rise up to where uh, Melo shot like forty two in a season. Um, I think that he can develop that three point game. Do you think that he can be a Carmelo Anthony like player? Because Carmelo was never like the LeBron James where he was the mm-hmm. facilitator. He was always that scorer. Do you think that Devin Booker's like top end is a Carmelo Anthony s scorer or Demar Derozan? If you want to stay with that, a Demar yeah. Derozan s scorer. I, I think that's probably best case scenario for him. Yeah, I like I keep talking negatively about him, and it's it's not you know look the dude can kill it. He, he's an absolute stud when it comes to scoring, but. It's such a... Um, you like, think his game's limited. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that he excels so far in one area that the rest of his game kind of suffers because of it. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think that's probably about the right range for him. So you can totally build around that, but having him as a focal point of a you know contending mm-hmm. team, I don't know. I think, I think that, you know, what Ricky brought up about the discussion of, you know, if you get a little interesting draft lottery picks... I think there there could tend to be a little bit of a flip flop. So uh, say you you are the Phoenix Suns and you see Tyler Ulis, who I think we're high on, but do you think that he can be a starting he, he guard? He can't take over from Bledsoe right now. I think Bledsoe is still so valuable. But say say would you would you see uh, Alonzo Ball or Marco Fultz and going back to Ricky's Over-up question? Of, yeah, you would you would take. But right, we have we see De'Aaron Fox and we see uh, and we see you know Dennis Smith back that. there. Would you say that those two are even worth more than Tyler Ulis? No, it's, if I'm like, let's say, so they don't have the, enough well, value over ja- Jackson and Tatum. If, is what you're saying? If the Suns drop, because now we're getting into the conversation of what if the ping pong balls hurt you negatively to where you fall back a pick no, or no. two? I'm saying, I'm saying, if we're talking about the Phoenix Suns mm-hmm. and a point guard, we're talking about if if Devin Booker becomes a Carmelo Anthony like player. Carmelo thrives when he has a guy who can facilitate. He, he's thrived totally when he had correct. a guy like yep. uh, Chauncey Billups. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't you want to pair that with a guy like uh, Dennis Smith? 
with uh, who can create and he, he, he can pass. De'Aaron Fox obviously showing his I ability to if penetrate. You are, if you're looking for just a facilitator, I think Tyler Eulis can be your guy. You do not but then is he have big to enough to out. create like a Chauncey Billups created for Carmelo Anthony back in like 2009, 2010, I th- 2008. I think it's one of those things with Eulis. It's one where I mean, look at it. We talk about him all the time being what five nine. You got to stick up for the five nine guys. Just because you're <laughs> such and such height doesn't mean you can't do it. Eulis can ball. If I'm looking for facilitating only from the point guard position, then I'm saying you know what? Fine, I'm fine with Tyler Eulis. I think with with me, let's say. If it's faults or ball, obviously you're not going to pass on one of those guys. You're going to take them just to take them, have them on the You'll team. You'll make it work one way or the other. You'll yeah. make it work. But one of the things, let's say they don't get the top two. Let's say Tatum and Jackson are even off the board by the time they get there. Let's say there's a weird situation where they fall outside the top five because of the ping pong. Well, give me a spot. Well, let's say they're at six, okay. five or six. Everyone they want is gone. Before I even think about De'Aaron Fox and Dennis Smith, I would go Jonathan Isaac before that. I would fit Why? that small forward role before I would go for a point the guard thing, the because thing I have such it, a long ja- log jam stop. at point guard. I would not even think about Jonathan Isaac there just because then you have a, an unreal amount of size there. I mean, it's I think it's too much size because, yes, Isaac's super versatile where he can play the small forward position, but the fucking kid's 6'10". Then you have Bender, who's 6'10", Marquise Chris, who's 6'9", and Jonathan Isaac, who's 6'10". Isaac can play the center. That's how big the kid is. He's that that versatile. I don't buy into going that. I think if we're talking about Jackson, the reason why we're saying him uh, going to the Phoenix Sun makes sense because he's shown the ability to drive and he's been showing the ability right. to, to mm-hmm. pass. Obviously, well, Jackson and Tatum are the main two. I'm saying if there's a situation where Jackson and Tatum are gone and Ball and Fultz are gone, I but I think I think with the the Bledsoe, if you're going young and, and obviously they're going young and, and maybe it just it is for the tank. Um, yeah. If you have a guy like Bledsoe and you have a guy like Knight, especially two guys with injury histories, I don't see why you wouldn't try to move them. Get some picks so you can develop your team uh, through the draft like you have been doing, and get a get a guard like a De'Aaron Fox, and get a guard like a, a Dennis Smith, so you can help that facil- uh, you know help help bring in a facilitator that has the size, that has the scoring that Tyler Ewis lacks. And and I don't know how much Tyler Ewis can bring because you know in, in his limited minutes, I mean, fourteen minutes. He's a minutes, fantastic passer, but yeah, but he's scoring threat. He is not, and he's also not a guy that's going to rack up a ton of assists. I mean, he's got like he 2.9 assists right now in fourteen minutes. Look at it, look at his last ten games because that's the true picture of what he can do for you and he's putting up 10 points 7.4 assists i mean when he is the guy the ball runs through i'm just saying what when the ball runs through him (laughs) earlier this season we saw a little Mm -hmm. bit of issue with him coming in games being that unfortunately third or second point guard uh coming Mm -hmm. off the bench so you saw you know him with different guys and he didn't really have that role but you put him in there next to dev booker next to his best friend Look, they have chemistry. You can't pay for, like you can't buy that kind of chemistry. So I think that because they know each other so well, that is a huge benefit to have well, someone like him there with him. I'm not saying kick Tyler Lewis off the team. I'm just saying maybe yeah. not have him be your starter. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I think I think De'Aaron Fox is a higher upside than Tyler Lewis. No offense to Tyler Lewis, but, yeah, but looking at De'Aaron Fox, I mean that guy can score, that guy can drive, that guy can dish. And he's just exploding during this tourney. Dennis Smith as well. I mean, I, I, I see those guys as higher upside players that might fit well with Devin Booker. Obviously the Chemistry isn't there, but you can always develop chemistry. But the thing that Possibly. those two players do not have, 
that I'm going to go back I mean, to the point, top look, two. Look at, look at Fox right now with Monk. Oh, I know. I mean, that's and Devin Booker. I would say I don't know if he's a better Monk right now, but I mean, I would <laughs> I would take Devin Booker over Malik Monk but, right now. But the thing is, if I'm looking at Fox, if I'm looking at Fox and Smith compared to obviously the top two in Ball and uh, Fultz, Fultz and Ball, you look at that. I'm like I said, I'm going to take it. I'm going to make it work with Fox and Dennis Smith. Then you get into the discussion of well, do I want to take this guy? Because I feel like he could be the BPA, or is it, you know what, we have a small forward need, and there are guys that could fit this need better than just getting another point guard to create a, I think getting that point guard, if ball and faults are off the board, would be creating a logjam in your backcourt. But but then again, uh, you know, Brandon Knight is pissed off at the Phoenix Suns front front Mm -hmm. office. There was talks already about him being traded. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, before like, even the trade deadline, he was one of the names that was tossed he, out there and teased. And so. I kept calling him Bledsoe. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bledsoe, obviously, his contract, like you said, ending it in, in 2019. I mean, that's a guy that's contract is close to expiring. Mm-hmm. He's always been banged up. I mean, you can get rid of that log jam. And if you believe that a point guard is what you need to help your team and that one of these point guards can help your team, I don't think it's too much of a reach to pick one. Uh, but let's get, let's go, go let's go towards uh, you know because obviously we talked about uh, you know the the possibility of Fultz and Ball. Um, I don't think we need to talk about them for the Phoenix Suns because right now they're not in that yeah. situation. If they get in the situation, we'll obviously have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But there's Tatum and Jackson out there. Mm-hmm. Which one fits the Suns better in your mind? Because and, and not saying if they fall back, if they stay at that three spot, Fultz Ball goes one two. I'm torn. I'm Who torn. would you rather go, Josh Jackson or Jason Tatum? I am, for me, if I'm going gut decision, Ricky, the time's running out. We got to make a pick. The name that would just spurt Hopefully out of my mouth. the Suns would be more prepared. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for me, the right now, because I would. Thank God we're not your GM. Well, I would sit there and go, I don't know which one like I would want to take. And my, the name that would spit out is Tatum. And the reason being is, yes, you have Josh Jackson who is athletic and he can drive, he can pass, he's got that IQ. But the thing with Tatum that I like is he's, to me on the court, I see like that's an NBA player. And to me, looking at defense, maybe defense is something the Celtics need to go for. Not necessarily Josh saying, Jackson's let's, a better defender. Let's just add some. Yeah, but with Josh Jackson, are we focusing on his defense or are we focusing on his offense? Well, that's we're the thing. He's, a, he's on, a good all-around yeah. player. We're going to focus yeah. on his athleticism and the thing that Josh Which helps Jackson, him become a good defender and a good. Let, let me get okay. to it. Let me okay. get to it. The one thing that Josh Jackson is that Tatum is not is aggressive, and that's the biggest knock with me when it comes to that. I'm going to go with the non-aggressive player, the guy who is not going to be in foul trouble that much often because of the aggressiveness. See, and I'm going to go with Tatum. That's that's actually the reason why I would go with Jackson because I look at Devin Booker and I don't. I wouldn't say he's hesitant or, or, or he, he doesn't. I, I just see him and I see him as more of a patient player, and I see him line up with Tatum like that. So pairing those two players, it might create a stagnant offense where if you have a guy like Josh Jackson, it's balls to the wall. I'm going to attack the, the 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 rim. I'm going to attack it like it's nobody's business, both offensively and defensively. He's going to attack the ball. Uh, uh, and he's, he's going to try to steal it, and he's trying to, you know, he's he's an aggressive player, and that's what I like pairing up against a guy who, in Devin Booker, is mm-hmm. kind of like that Carmel Anthony, who's more of a passive player. You know, you you, you see a guy like J.R. Smith next to Carmel Anthony. J.R. Smith thrives because he's that aggressive player. Right. I like that idea of bringing in Josh Jackson because of his aggressiveness. I think I think that's. Uh, the, the the best part is where you have Devin Booker completely athletic. I mean, the kid's athletic, but you don't really see 
uh, his athleticism translate uh, into well it, it, that's the reason why he's not succeeding mm-hmm. his, his athleticism isn't why J- uh, Devin Booker succeeds just because right. he's a phenomenal scorer right. Josh Jackson is why is why he succeeds his athleticism so you got I think you got to go with that yin yang of a player who's a phenomenal scorer because mm-hmm. he just got he just has that ability where you have Josh Jackson who just has this but ability to be one, completely athletic the one thing I'm gonna throw out there and this is the thing that's different between Kansas and Duke is to me, if you're talking about the Kansas Jayhawks, Josh Jackson to me is not the... When you say, give me the best player, I'm not talking athleticism, I'm not not talking raw talent, just overall, who's the best player on that team? And I'm not talking draft size, I'm saying Frank Mason. He's the number one guy. I would say Luke Kennard's the best player. He's the one that leads that team. Yeah, Luke Kennard, you might say, is the number one at Duke. But the thing with Duke is, I feel like it's a little bit more of a mixture, and I feel like that could be better... For the Suns, and it's one of those things where Tatum can come in, be the guy who drives, doesn't have that three-point shot, and then you take a little bit of pressure off of Tyler Eulis, who you're saying, well, can he be the assist guy? Well, now he doesn't. It could be him and Tatum, and Booker can kind of be the, yeah, I can get the ball, I can drive, or I have that three-point shot. I'm the killer from beyond the arc. And Dave, I want to get you in here because obviously mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a great po- point from Ricky, and I, I think the one thing to... Um, at least for for Duke, is that you do have more of uh, well, I would say that uh, with Josh Jackson, I, that's what I meant. With Josh Jackson, you know, kind of being a leader because you said Frank Mason's more of a leader on Kansas. Um, well, he's the to me, it's like who am I putting the ball in? Like with a last second shot, I would go definitely Frank Mason over Josh Jackson. If it's Kennard or Tatum, I would might I might take Tatum over Kennard, well, even though you can pick Kennard as well. Josh Jackson has shown that he can step up in mm-hmm. big games, and that was Very really true. shown in the, in the game at, at Allen Fieldhouse against yeah. Baylor. He stepped up big in in that game, especially in the second half. And I, I think that it, when you have a senior player like Frank Mason, who's a, a Naismith Player of the Year candidate, mm-hmm. I think it's tough to say, all right, the guy that's been here for four years, the guy that is our leader, who's, who's who has the experience. I think it's tough to go away from him. Where Kennard and Tatum, they only have that one year difference yeah. of being a sophomore or freshman. I think it's tough to say that, but we have seen Josh Jackson step. Mm-hmm. Up, um, I understand where you're coming from with with Tatum and Kennard there, uh, but Dave, in this whole you know Jackson Tatum situation, where do you fall that fits best for the Suns? Are you going to go with the smoothness that Ricky's talking about with Tatum, or are you going to go with the aggressiveness that I, I liked in, in, in Jackson and pairing that with Booker? I'm going heavily towards Jackson. I think he's a better fit for this team, and I think that what he brings us again, it's it's personally, I, I take highest upside. You're a Suns team who you're in the middle of a rebuild. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of young talent that. You've piled in of top-level picks across the board on your team at this point. So what you really want to do is take the best player available, best highest top end, and I think that Josh Jackson offers you a little bit more than Jason Tatum does. I love Tatum's shot. It's smooth. Like I know we, we can talk about that all day, mm-hmm. but like Josh Jackson just across the board fills out for me, and with this starting lineup of going young, I honestly see him and Devin being a great one-two punch, and I think that... Honestly, like they are, they are mean. They are athletic, down low, and there is there is a bright, bright future. I want to do two, two more things. All yeah. right. First off, uh, going off of like the Tatum Isaac thing that you've mentioned as well, mm-hmm. uh, position needs for the Suns. First off, how would you rank it? Would you go small forward? Uh, then I think you've you've brought up center as well, Ricky. Mm-hmm. Center and point guard. How would you rank the the top three position needs? For the Suns right now, because I think shooting guard, I think we can agree, is last on that, in yeah. that list, well, right? Shoot safe. I think shooting guard and right now, based off of what's on the roster, you 
gonna say point power, guard too. I was gonna say power well, forward just because you have, ben, year, yeah. you have Bender and Chris. Really, then the only like it's the only positions that I mentioned earlier are well, it's it's small your forward and center. It's like, your rankings. How would you go one two three? If I'm using all five positions, I'm Which going what small I'm forward. <laughs> my top three would be small forward, center, and then maybe guard. Like not necessarily point, not necessarily shooting. Maybe more shooting than guard, but. With that third one, it's like fuck it, just take a guard at that point. But with with that, I mean, why would you take a shooting guard when you have Devin Booker as your well, starting point? I'm saying guard. that's why I'm it's sorry. number three. Like at first, I'm tackling the small forward need. Then maybe in the second round, if there's a big man that I like, I'd mm-hmm. go more towards the big man to fill out that center and small forward role. And the other thing I want to bring up, uh, kind of building off that, so you would go Tatum, Jackson, and then who's that third player? Uh, say Fultz and Balls off the board, at least at, at that so third if spot. At five? At that third spot. No, at the third, if they're at the three spot, mm-hmm. Jackson, the th- Tatum, and who would be the third guy that you throw in there? Just to have a con- uh, you know a conversation, I, I would say it'd be between the small four. It would either be between the small forwards of just Jackson Tatum and Isaac, or it would be Jackson Tatum and Monk. Okay, we would have one of those two discussions. I think yeah. Monk would be a Monk weird, is, weird pairing. Yeah. With, but 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 I, I understand where you're coming from. At least you know because you you mentioned Garden. He he mm-hmm. is another scorer. Uh, and then Dave, when, would you you know asking the same question oh. with with position wise? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you rate that? Would you differ from Ricky, or do you agree I'm, with? I'm a little slightly different because I do think uh, obviously small forward is the key they need to knock down with this first pick. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm gonna just go take it a little bit outside the box here because I think that not only do they have you know a top three pick in the first and second, they still have their second round pick. But I think they're gonna move one of their guards, uh, probably Brandon Knight, for a later first, maybe or maybe yeah, probably like a late first. Whatever would they be can get from you. Yeah, so I think they can honestly fill out center. I don't know, like you've got okay talent there the problem is the impact of a center in the nba and we're talking about how they have athletic bigs already who can kind of cover that spot and i'm not super worried about having a legit backup or a legit starting center Mm -hmm. so i'm all for going out and going small forward a backup shooting guard is one thing i know it sounds ridiculous but like someone who can kind of combo between small forward and shooting guard would be a great so you agree with ricky there and just honestly you just go between small forward and then a combo like you don't need much else, but I know there's there's a lot of hate around Alex Len already. So like a center, if you want to grab someone in the second round and just give them a shot to try it out, why not? But honestly, I think that they are going to be able to pick up a couple guys, and even like later in this draft, this this is one of the most stacked drafts we've talked about it in is. a long time. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see talent who should be first round talent in other years fall back in that second. So I think there's good value if they want to you know trade in some existing contracts for some future draft picks. And you and you would rank it. Jackson, oh, Tatum, and would you go Isaac I, as well because of no, his versatility? No, I, I, I would honestly go. I, I'm taking Jackson at three. Like, there's no discussion there. Uh, you, I'm saying make nope, a discussion. Doesn't matter. Okay, no. Nope. Thanks for Shut being. It a, down. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. Can Shut I, it down. Can I throw one yeah. center out yeah. there as maybe that second rounder? Mm-hmm. Do you, if he's there in the second round, do you maybe look at maybe a Karnowski or if Zach Collins comes out after, after his freshman year? To maybe be a player that the Suns look at, I don't think Zach Collins would be there in the second round. I think he's going to be a first rounder. Well, yeah, rounder, no, he would be a late first rounder. But if, if Karnowski's there in the second round, mm, I know he's not your typical big man, but I, I like what I, I think, see from the pole from I the think, Polish center. I agree with that I like what he, what I see with him, but I think he's more of a later uh, second round. I, I just I, 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 just with, in the second with that Suns team, I think you need the athleticism that you bring that you see in Chris and that you see in uh, with Tyson Chandler. Just the size. I don't see the mm-hmm. size of Karnowski like mm-hmm. the length. I, I want I want like 
a bigger center there in Phoenix because Devin Booker six six. So, you know Tyler Ulis if he's if he's your point guard, you need. You, I think you feel like you need more size there. Uh, so I would rather go with someone who's bigger than than Karnowski. I think I think Collins though. I think he's seven foot f- feet tall. I think I would go with Collins uh, there. Uh, just going on position rankings, and I got one more mm-hmm. final question for you guys. Uh, I would go small forward. I would go point guard uh, because I don't trust. I, I think Bledsoe and, and Knight are good as gone. Uh, and then I would probably I mean, go and end up going with with a with a center. Uh, and then I would probably say uh, Jackson. Uh, I would say Jackson, Fox, and then Tatum because I, I think adding a guy like Fox who can create and penetrate and score yeah. like he can, I think it's I think comparing that with a guy like Devin Booker is too good to pass up. Yeah, he's he's one of the highest risers for, throughout you know his tourney and now the March Madness tourney. Mm-hmm. It's it's awesome to watch him go. The thing though is like guys like uh, Knight and Bledsoe both are on relatively good contracts, they are. and that's that's what's it, it could value one way or the other because it's like like you get Bledsoe for two more years under fifteen mil. That's got some value to it because he is he's across the board going to help your team out. So I don't know if I want to move on from him, but same time, other teams out there who think they're a point guard away, <coughs> Detroit Pistons. That would be an incredible value. Detroit Pistons. I, I I was having trouble finding a mock for the Pistons at fourteen. Trade the fourteenth pick and get, get Eric Bledsoe. But an uh, incredible value. Final question sure. I have for you guys: You like Tatum, so you, mm-hmm. you'd say you draft Tatum at three. Yeah. You like Jackson, Jackson at three, no doubt. Yep. Would Jackson or Bledsoe or Chris or Bender be the star or the focal point? If you draft one of these players, would Booker still stay the star? Would it be Bender or Chris or would it be Jackson or Tatum? With whoever you're drafting, who would be the star player that you are building around? I would say that the guy on the poster would probably be Devin Booker, but I would say I'd go more of a team aspect with it, where it's kind of like I want to use the warrior kind of mold. Of, mm-hmm. of course, I'm not saying that Devin Booker is going to be the star power of Steph Curry, but Steph Curry's we the guy we all look at, mm-hmm. but the Warriors are a team. That's what the Suns need to do, be a team of the young kids, and Devin Booker would be the face of them. Dave, where, where are you kind of? Would Josh Jackson, I, Booker, I think or I, are you going with the team? I think I'm leaning towards Josh Jackson being the face, even though it's like I could see Devin Booker because – he is that score. That is what people love to see in the NBA. He seems like a quiet kid, though. Exactly. And that's why I think, like, Josh, ja- I, I think that uh, Jackson would be awesome. But honestly, I, I like the way teams are building. Like, not to derail this too much, but, like, look at teams like the Bucks, who have their multi-man core. You have, like, the Timberwolves, who have theirs. You have all of these teams who are rebuilding. Philly. Philly. I don't want to go there because they're just, you know. Mm-hmm. If but, they're healthy. Let's just hope all LA. of this. But the whole thing is let's like. Let's just hope it just leads you, to a more competitive You put together NBA. three guys on that core, and I think the team honestly might win out because that is the scariest mm-hmm. thing. Is like when you have three guys who are all under 24 mm-hmm. or something, your well, future's good. And that's the thing with that, Ricky, you mentioned, you know, building more competitive NBAs. I just You're, hope it leads to that. They're building big threes through yep, the I draft. Know. And then also yes. with the CBA. I hope it leads to that. Yeah, with with, with the CBA, it, it's going to help stay. It's gonna help them stay. I mean, I don't know how the cap ex- exactly is going to work. Mm-hmm. I'm not a cap genius. But still, it's going to help them stay, which might help lead to a competitive. Uh, Neither of us are accountants. So no. we'll leave that for the accountants um, and finance majors. The one thing, it might be difficult to uh, have uh, Josh Jackson be your lead <laughs> PR guy, especially with the stuff that's going on with him. Oh, it's mm-hmm. one uh, thing. I'm just saying, Dave. Mm-hmm. Say it's just one thing, Dave, but we'll see. Well, so far, only one thing's come out. Hey, uh, hey, it's a pretty guess, big guess, red flag. Guess, for guess, me. guess, not get, get not getting the discussion. <laughs> I'm just saying it was making a joke. Jesus Christ! Uh, but anyways, I don't know why we we're talking about the. That was a long talk about the Phoenix Suns right there. It was, it was. Good, a good talk. Uh, tell us who you think should be the star uh, in, in Phoenix uh, and who they should draft uh, if they do stay at that third position. But let's move on now to the Cavs and the Celtics. Right now, they're fighting for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Celtics currently one game back of recording this. We're recording it on March 25th 
at 2.52 p.m. Cavs do have a game tonight against the Wizards, so that's an important game for the Cavs. If they win that, they can get some breathing room over the Celtics. But the Cavs have a tougher season uh, or end of the season than the Celtics do. They will face off one more time. Dave, first off, how much will that matchup mean on April 5th uh, where Boston will be taking on the Cavs in the TD Garden? How much will that mean for the Boston Celtics and Cavs? Do you think it will be a game that will actually put the Celtics over? Do you think it's still going to be Cavs will have a cushion there? I think it could be the game that pushes them over. The The interesting thing is I want to see if like the Celtics just punk them and be like, yeah, we're resting. <laughs> like, now nah, we're good. But uh, I don't think the Celtics would do that. The game means way too much. Does it? That's the question. No, um, no. I think it probably will be because if you look at the schedule up to that point, like Boston could go on a pretty big run. They could go on like a three-one run during mm-hmm. that. Uh, easily can see that. So honestly, I, I would love to see that game be like the decider of mm-hmm. like that one game is they're dead even at that point and be like, oh come on, and then you just gotta run out that last little bit of the season. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if the Celtics... I think the, it will be. The Celtics will have do. two tough games. Uh, they got Miami and Milwaukee. Milwaukee's been a hot streak. Obviously, we know the, the hot streak that the Heat have been on. Mm-hmm. So, if they get past those two games with a win, then they take on Orlando and the Knicks. So, it should be two easy wins for Boston right there. They would be heading at 4-0. And if they can make up a game, that game might be... I mean, the, before that Celtics game, the Cavs have to play, I think it's, what, six games? They do have six, uh, yeah. Six games. And it's against Washington, uh, a great Tonight, team. Yep. That could be a loss. Uh, San Antonio, and that's not a back-to-back but it's still uh, two, games loss. In, two games in three days uh, against uh, two great teams. Then you got the streak oh, on the man. 30th. That's then rough. you got the Bulls. The streak. Yeah, the, the, the TNT the t- streak. The TNT streak and the Bulls are undefeated against the Cavs this year. Uh, and then you got, so that's a loss. Then you, you got the six, that up. Sixers in a back-to-back, so that's going to be a win. So there's there's games where the Cavs can lose they can falter. and lose some ground. Ricky, will they and will that game at the Garden be the game that pushes over the Celtics? I'm going to stand on a limb. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say Boston, number one seed. Boston will Whoa. be the one seed going into the Eastern. I just look at the rest of the so schedule. The, so, they're so you're gonna, taking so them they're, in that game, and you're taking them well, for the rest of the year. I don't think. I, I think that April fifth game might not even play into it. Oh, might not even play into it because you look at the rest of the schedule, and I know the Cavs are the Cavs. Before I get yeah, hate in the comment still, section, I mean, but like this week, I think it's a two and two week for the Cavs. I think the Spurs will beat them, and I think the Bulls will beat them. Just because of the streak, let's be honest. That's why we're going to beat them, and it's at home in Chicago. But yeah, win over the Wizards, win over the Sixers, unless they rest because it's a back-to-back. But I look at the rest of it. Two games in Atlanta, that's almost a back-to-back. You got that one day off in Mm -hmm. between, but you're traveling from Atlanta to Cleveland. Traveling is really going to take two hours. (laughs) But still, getting on a plane, getting off a plane, having to go through everything. It takes a lot out of snakes on the plane. You get Miami in Miami. Miami's going to play up against LeBron. And then you get Toronto to end the season. Whereas, yeah, Boston has the Milwaukee twice. They have the Heat once. But... I'm not scared. I'm not scared of the Nets. I'm not scared of the Hornets. Maybe you should be. I'm not scared of the Knicks. I think they'll well, beat the Hawks. It's one of those things where, or and they have Orlando too. You got to be totally scared of Orlando. Well, when, I think the schedule's easier for Boston. But the, you do have the the back to back against Cleveland, Atlanta. If I mean that's that's a, that's, that's tough for, that's for the, the Celtics I, right that there. That and the Buck games are the only so, things I don't. Well, like. The problem is you have a back to back. You know, starting with the mm-hmm. cell, starting against uh, the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers are coming off, so that second game for them is a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, I think that's what's going to do it. I think that well, Cleveland will be tired coming into that second game, and we, then 
possibly you, fresh, and then it'll just carry it, through. It, I think it depends on what this, the, the, the Cavs want to do because oh. they might I mean, they, they might throw re- nobody's against the Magic, yeah. Yeah, they true. might rest uh, people against yeah. the Magic because that uh, South the team might there. mean so much. And honestly, what Boston could do, I'm not saying they are, but if you're going to buy tickets to that Hawks-Celtics game, you might want not to after what I say. Brad Stevens' company could go in and say, hey, they're coming off of a back-to-back. This is the second game of it. Let's go balls to the walls. You guys can get a rest tomorrow after this one. Get the W today. Go all out. I'll give you the day that's off not, tomorrow. That's not Brad Stevens' thing. He doesn't no, give people not, a day rest. But it's one of those things where I, with Tim me, if Ricky. I was thinking, that's what I would say. Go all out here to win this game. And then, you know what, I'll I, give I you a rest the on the one-on-one. Pre- one. I, love, I love that we're seeing the top two teams go up against each other at the mm-hmm. end of the season, like so close to the end, mm-hmm. with this much meaning behind it. Like, there's going to be a level of intensity in this game I can't wait to watch. Yeah, and we talked about, like, you know, kind of the, the lack of competition that we've seen in the NBA, kind of expecting the Cavs to be the number one seed. It's good to see not only the Celtics, but the Wizards are close, mm-hmm. Raptors are close. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we always talk about the Raptors being the second best team, but seeing the Wizards step well, up, seeing Bradley Beal yeah. being healthy, uh, um, it's been huge. And then, obviously, the Celtics, mm-hmm. uh, the rise of IT putting up near 30 points a game has been mm-hmm. been unreal. Uh, real quick, let's actually just go through the Cavs schedule and just kind of give me your thoughts on, on where they'll end up right now. They're right now, currently at 47 and 24. Uh, Ricky, I'll give you the Cavs because I know you love them so much. And yep. Dave, I'll give you the Celtics. Uh, so right now, sitting at 47 and 24, you said they're going to get a win against Washington? So, yeah, they'll go 40, 48 and 24. Then 25, 26. And then 49. So it'll be 49 and 26 going into April. Then I'll give them a win over the Pacers, win over the Magic. So that's 51. That Celtic game, I'm going to come back for later. I mean, they'll <laughs> go ahead and split with Atlanta. and then Okay, maybe so 52 and 27. And then I'll say beat Miami but lose. To, I think one of those games, either Miami or Toronto, one of those teams is going to play up a little bit. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying to get a record here. So, give a so, so two and two. Uh, so that's going to put you at 49 and 26. Mm-hmm. Then you had them winning both Indiana and Orlando. Yep. So that's 52 wins and 26 mm-hmm. losses. Uh, you said splitting Atlanta and splitting uh, splitting Atlanta, right? Yes, I'll say okay. splitting Atlanta and then splitting the Miami and Toronto. So that's two and two. You know what? I'm going to go double loss because I think they'll rest in Miami. Okay, so you're saying they're one and three in their last four games. Yes, I okay. don't think they play going into Miami. So that's it's a back to back. That's fifty three and fifty three and twenty nine. Okay. So then, are they going to win that Celtics game and Can go fifty four? And, and, no, nut up fifty three. I'll, I'll go Boston. <laughs> Boston okay. in the Garden. So fifty. In the garden. So it's fifty. I'm, I'm losing my mind. Fifty four and thirty one. Right. That's, I think it was fifty three. 53 wins because I got Boston 53 and 29 losses right something like that that would put up at 81 I don't know math Dave, let's do your season because Ricky fucked that up it's just abomination are they going to win against Miami? Miami win 48 loss because I I just got to give they're going to split it 48 and 27 beat the Magic beat the Knicks 49 yeah 49 49 and 27 and then Cleveland showdown I got them losing okay 49 and 28 Gonna beat the Hawks. Gonna beat the Hornets. Fifty-one. Gonna lose to the Nets. Gonna falter there. Fifty-one and twenty-eight. And then you know what? Fifty-one and twenty-eight. Gonna lose to the Bucks too. Okay, so fifty-one and twenty-nine. So okay, that doesn't. That's eighty games. I don't know what. I don't know how to do math. Math Anyways, is hard. This was a terrible segment like idea. Like we said, we are not financing or accounting majors. Skip that. I think that was a, <laughs> a terrible idea. Let's uh, skip on to that, though. And, and so you're saying that they're not going to be the number one seed, Boston. I think they're going to falter. Um, I think they're going to lose some games that they shouldn't. Uh, 
just what it's going to come down to. This is to. why you don't do math live. So you're, you're not going to be the number one seed. <laughs> no, I got them faltering. And, and you say I, they're, they're going Celtics to be the number one are. seed. Celtics are. Okay. Celtics are going to take the one seed. So going to the playoffs, how much does that mean if the Boston Celtics do become the number one seed? Mm-hmm. And, and how much does that mean to both the Celtics and the Cavs um, if the Cavs are the number two seed? How much do you think that means? It means nothing to the Cavaliers up until the Eastern Conference Finals because the Cavs are that team where... It's one. Wait, let me get to it, Dave. Before you just give yeah. me your hand motion. I'm just, I'm just. What in the first round? In the second round? It don't matter who the Cavs play. They're gonna win in the first round. If they go up against Indiana, Indiana, not a chance, not a chance that they win. Then it would be either Washington or Milwaukee. As of right now, standings would be a good series, but I would still take Cleveland over either of those teams. It'd be more beneficial to Boston because one. You don't have to see Cleveland until the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's one of those things where you might be able to see the Raptors, but there's a chance you could see the Hawks, which would be, to me, I would rather see the Atlanta Hawks than the Toronto Raptors in the second round. Then when you get to an Eastern Conference of Boston-Cleveland, Game 7 is in the Garden. And I know you're saying, well, Ricky, you can't assume there's going to be a Game 7. This is going to be a great series and it's one of those things where you always got to give the nod. It's one of those things like they always say. I hear it in the Stanley Cup playoffs more than anything else. It's not a series until the home team loses. And if you're Boston, just got to win your home games. So right now, if you're the Cleveland, you're not, you're not afraid that Washington's the third seed. You're not afraid that I mean, in that second round matchup? It's a, it's a tough matchup, but I, I would still put the Cavs over... The Wizards. I think if there's anyone that's going to knock off the Cavs, it's going to be the Celtics. And They're why the is that? only team. I just I look at. To me, it's the ferocity of this team, and I just when I watch them play, there's a certain level of hungriness that I see with the Celtics. That I'm not saying the Wizards don't have a hungriness, but it's a different kind of level. Like the Celtics, they're a team that where it looks like we're on the cusp of like. We want to go for it. And basically, it's like me and Dave mentioned last night watching the Bulls. I asked him, well, do you think Jimmy will get traded this offseason? And Dave goes, oh, no, let's see how they play against the Cavs. Uh, Dave, going off of what mm-hmm. Ricky's been mm-hmm. saying about, say, let's say the Cavs fall to that number two spot. Do you think that the Wizards give them less of a, a trouble than the Celtics ultimately do? Do you agree with what Ricky was saying there? Uh, honestly, the, the, I think the Wizards are a little bit more menacing because of that two-guard, because of Bradley Beal playing up this season, and they don't have a direct answer for that to counter, you know, look, the way the Cavs are set up, I can honestly see like that being the worst matchup during the playoffs. Um, and the big problem there is, like, I want to see the big three mesh before the end of the year with Cleveland. Like, I, I think it's plug-and-play for the mm-hmm. most part, but I want to see a couple more games of all three of them out there healthy, going at it, going all out. But honestly, I don't even think home court matters because I don't think anybody's going to take them to seven outside of a championship. Well, I think that uh, I think if the the Cavs fall to two, I think it's actually best for them because really? I think their toughest opponent is weirdly enough the Raptors. You have PJ Tucker, who is a, a great guy coming off the bench, a great a great player uh, for that team, at least at the small forward position. Demar mm-hmm. Derozan's been going off. Demar mm-hmm. Carroll, we know that he could be a defender when he's when he's playing up. I mean, <laughs> he's he's shown it before. You also see Serge Ibaka, uh, I mean, obviously suspended, but he still will be hopefully not suspended uh, by playoff time. You got Kyle Lowry, obviously, when he comes back, and I, I'm not sure exactly when his timetable is, but I think it was playoff time. So 
if the Cavs can avoid them in the second round, I think that's what's best for the for the Cavs because, again, looking at the matchups, Kyle Lowry versus Irving, I, I would still take Kyrie, but it's not that big of a discrepancy right there. That two-guard, DeMar DeRozan, is one of the best two-guards in the league. You have two players that, I don't know if they can guard LeBron James and, mm-hmm. and P.J. Tucker and Damari Carroll, but those are yeah. two guys that are good defensively. Then, obviously, Serge versus K-Love's a very interesting matchup, and Valanchunas uh, against uh, Thompson, that's going to be an interesting matchup. So I think at least starting five-wise, I think Toronto well, matches up best against the Cavs. I know they haven't been playing up as well, and obviously injuries have hampered them, but I still think when healthy, the Raptors is still the hardest matchup for the Cavs. And we saw that last year taking them to six games. Well, and the thing with Surge is it, if it was the same as Rolo, it was only one game. So both mm-hmm. Rolo and Surge are back right now as we're recording this. But another thing that this does, not necessarily for a Raptors-Cavs series, but like Boston and Cleveland is whoever's got the one seed, if Boston has the one seed, that first game is at home compared to on the road. And you know that the TD Garden is going to be jumping for a first round, or Eastern Conference game one against the Cavs. And maybe that alone could help a team that is fueled by Isaiah Thomas too. I'm not necessarily saying, oh yeah, they go out there and they win the series. The Cavs are beaten in the finals, but if I'm Boston, I need that. I need that little edge. I need whatever edge I can get over the Cavs because, really, it's like Dave said. The Cavs, it's one of those things where he says he wants to see how the big three play. I don't care because I know they're going to play, and I know they're going to be good, and they have LeBron James, who's the X factor in the East, and whatever edge you can get over this team is going to help you in the long run and give you what you feel would be a fighting chance. I agree with everything you said, but why is LeBron James an X factor? He's, he's, he's the, the best, best player in the damn league. Hold That's on. why he's the X factor. Hold but usually yeah. X factor is like the thing that determines. Have... I, wouldn't you just say that LeBron James is the best player on the court? I don't know if it's the X factor. Yeah. Usually, I think of X factors like Alondo Tucker coming off the bench for the Wisconsin Badgers. Like, Ooh. I don't see like you know Kyle Korver X factor. Yeah, like I see Kyle Korver, Darren Williams as an X factor, not LeBron James. Like LeBron X, James is the every kind X of factor is like the extra factor that's like in there. <laughs> that like, maybe unless you're saying like LeBron James, how he can pretty much be two people on the court. Maybe that. Did like, you LeBron see the finals James last too. year? Yes. Did you? Did yeah, you? I did. I did. I, I, did you not black out? Did you see that that little bit of X factorism that LeBron put out there? Are you just talking about his competitiveness? Everything at the end is <laughs> because saying, you I know think what, I'm going to will this team Because I think you just forgot that how good LeBron James oh, was. Oh, no, he's good. Can we cut to a clip? First, those first four games, cut to clip? Cut to a clip? I believe the Warriors were up 3-1. Can we, can we and cut then to LeBron kind of turned it on. We cut to a clip where LeBron pissed off Ricky so much he was throwing headsets. <laughs> no, that was the league. I, I the knew. league, we're not going to get into that, though. The league ruined that series. But LeBron did turn it up, and that's what I'm saying. Wow. They have LeBron James. He is the, to me, the X factor. I don't care what you say. It's going to sound stupid, but I sort of want to agree with Ricky here. In in one matter, <laughs> I just and think that the, is the, the term S- X factor yeah. for LeBron James is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that is. But no, no, Ricky's right in the fact that the Celtics need the one seed more than the Cavaliers do. I agree. I the Cavs agree could walk that. in as the eight seed for all they care. It doesn't matter, <laughs> honestly. Wouldn't that be funny if they just fuck it? You know, next year we're going to be, be the like, eight you seed. You know what? We're not going to play these games. We're not going to play the we're, entire we're gonna season. For, we're going to forfeit the rest of these games. 
left on our schedule. We're going to walk in as the eight. Who cares? See, it's. It, I looked up the meaning of X Factor, and it's a variable given in situation that could have most significant impact on the outcome. I I kind of see what you're saying, but also it's like saying, like, well, LeBron if it rains, every kind of if, if it's a thunderstorm and it's a tornado outside, it might be the X Factor to why we might not play baseball today. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like. Well, with Kyrie and LeBron, that saying, is like a thunderstorm and like a tornado. It's like saying something obvious, you know? Like, I just. And I don't Caleb know. is the rain from three. But I. What is going on? <laughs> I, don't know. I agree with you, though, that the Celtics need the number one seed more than the Cavs. Uh, do you think that it will come down to a game seven, though, if it no. goes down to the Celtics? I wanted to. I wanted to. I, so that's not badly. the question. Will it? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes because I want to see it happen. And if I visualize it up here, it might happen. Will the Celtics there. win game seven? If it's at the Garden, then it's a 50 50. If it's at the TD Garden, I'll give it 50 50 game seven. Dave? I don't even know if the Celtics are going to be in the Eastern Conference Championship. Fair enough. Anyways, if they're the one seed, they will be. Are you sure? Yeah. If that, I mean, home, rap, home court rap, advantage. Raptors are good. No, the Raptors home, are good. I, home home court advantage good. doesn't win you. You still got to play three games on the road. Mm, but you win the home games, and boom, you move on. Okay, if the road team wins the home games, that's three wins right there. Well, and then, then we have a series. The and then we have a series, Anyways, but Let's move on now. We're going to be talking about the NBA regular season. Should we care about the NBA regular season? The nope. players don't care about the NBA regular season. Everybody's taking days off. Everybody's resting. I wish I could take a day off, but I can't. Ricky's mm-hmm. a, a very strict boss. So, Ricky... Should we care about the NBA season if the players don't? Not at all. And the thing, the reason why is it's one of those things, like even Dave said in the last segment of, oh, well, I mean, the Cavs could walk in as the eighth seed and still roll through the playoffs. That's exactly it. As long as you make the playoffs, like especially if you're the Cavs or the Celtics, you're in. You're fine. It's one of those things where I feel like with the NBA, I when we get to the conversation of, oh, should the players be resting? Are they taking away from the fans, I kind of want to side with the players and say, hey, you know what? I mean, back in the day, did we ever see Jordan say, nah, I'm going to take this game off? No, but at the same time, there's a lot of more analytics going on. Players are looking at it to try to, like Pop made the point, do you want them to play right now or do Mm -hmm. you want them to play for the next three years kind of a thing? And I think that that kind of plays into it a little bit. And the thing that is an interesting point that was brought up was have we hammered home, and we as like a collective we of everyone who's an NBA fan, hammered home the point of it's that nothing matters unless you win a championship. Have we hammered that so far to where the players have even gone, yeah, you're right, this game doesn't matter, so I'm going to rest because in the playoffs it is going to matter because that's going to get me the championship. Is it a problem with them resting, or is it a problem when they're resting, and is it a problem at the frequency that they're resting at? I think it's a problem when. We have seen players rest before. I'm not not against players taking a day off. If players Mm -hmm. aren't playing 82 games, it's fine. If players are playing 75 games a season, okay, that's fine. I don't care. Mm -hmm. But it's it's something where you look at a guy like MJ. I know he's the the cream of the crop. Everyone loves Mm -hmm. him. He's the cream. You look look at every single season that he played in Chicago, Mm -hmm. uh, the the lowest that he got was the 85-86 season because he got hurt. But then other than that, the lowest amount of games he played was 78. And that's it. I mean, mm-hmm. he, that's the lowest amount of games he yeah. played. Well, I and mean, that he was is, across he is, the board, though. Like, players back then, we didn't focus on it so much because I didn't feel like players were like, ah, I'm going to take this random day off mm-hmm. like we see right now. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, it's it's a different NBA than it was back in the day. Mm-hmm. But and there's it? so much more that's come around health. But, but why? But why is it a different NBA? Because I understand the, the health thing. Because now yeah. we have we have better science and all that. But mm-hmm. but then again, we didn't see players like getting like super. Destroyed. I mean, Michael Jordan's still walking around fine. 
Right. No, no, I'm not talking like this is not football where you see guys yeah. in their 50s who look horribly like crippled because mm-hmm. of the, the day-to-day. No, as far as like the gameplay, like guys are so much more athletic these days. But it was also you more physical to game that. back then. Yeah, yeah. But you, so you can't close arm pe- close on people. I mean, sorry, Kurt Bill Lambert. Kurt Rambis. That's, that's <laughs> not a thing anymore. But you're so much more physical. You're so much more like if you compare a basketball player from the 80s to a basketball player from today, the sheer difference in like muscle mass in, in health overall, like the guy from today is an athletic freak compared, like an average player today will be mm-hmm. an athletic freak compared to a guy from the 1980s who is literally like drinking before the game, smoking at halftime. Like the players take care of their bodies so much more today. It's so shouldn't insane. they be go longer if they're taking care of their bodies more? Shouldn't they be able to play 82 games more efficiently than the players in the 1980s? The, the pacing is also different, and the level of physicality across the board is different because of every. Everybody in the league is now doing that. So I think that guys are more concerned about the longevity of their career and mm-hmm. they're more concerned about how well they can take care of themselves because it's all about that paycheck, to be honest, like let at me, the end of the day. Let me throw this out there. The main point that we have to say is the only reason that we are talking about this, that ESPN has talked about this, that Fox Sports 1, that basically everybody and their grandmother has talked about this over the past week is because the Warriors and the Cavs and I want to throw the Spurs in there, but they've been doing it so long, it's like, whatever, leave them off. Well, they did it's, it because yeah, their players were just old. Yeah, they did it before. Old. It was cool. Um, their players were just old as hell. Tim Duncan, yeah. But, I mean, because the Cavs and the Warriors finally said, no, we're going to rest players for a nationally televised game, that's the only reason we're talking about it. And it's one of the things where, when you ask the question, Sean, of, is it is it the fact that they're resting or when they're resting? It's when they're resting. Mm-hmm. It's players. I feel like this year was a little bit of eh, fuck you to the league, where it's like you know what, both teams are gonna we're gonna play a D league game on ABC. You like that? You like that? We're gonna play a D league game well, between the Clippers and the Warriors. Well, I, maybe the one thing that Dave, I know you mentioned, and we should probably get into that discussion because I, I I agree with you. Uh, one thing that has been huge is, and, and obviously you brought mm-hmm. up the national televised g- games and, yeah. and and how close they're going back to back. We talked about that in the Celtics and well, and Cavs thing too. How there's so many back to backs that even in the past, in the next ten games. And for Dave them. mentioned this off camera. I'll throw it out here now. The travel is it, especially for like the Warriors who are flying all the way across the country and back yeah. because everyone wants to see the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're playing a, you know, a, they're a, a, an ABC game on team. Boston. Mm-hmm. And they yeah, they fly back so many more miles than everybody else in the league. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think it's I think it's almost a little bit too big of a deal. Like LeBron DNP'd six games this year. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that really that awful? No. I mean, I like mean, I said, that's what, yeah. 80, if he didn't play, I'm doing math right now, which is a terrible idea, yeah, uh, but it was 76 games, right? He yeah. played 76 games? I well, mean, he will if he doesn't if DNP he doesn't, the rest of the year. Yeah, so 76 games, that's fine. I said like 75, if you're playing 75 games a night, that's good. Yeah, so I don't, I don't see necessarily a problem with that, and for guys who are... You know, a little bit older than the tooth. You know, if you're above the age of thirty, well, LeBron's like, thirty three. Exactly. He's always, but he's always he's never like had a yeah. uh, injury where he's been completely out. He's a, right. a, an injury monster. I, I think the biggest thing is this is getting so much backlash is because of the quality of games that are on nationally televised mm-hmm. TV, and because those stations are then getting angry and yelling at the mm-hmm. NBA and being like, "Hey, we're not making enough money because you guys aren't putting your stars out there every night for us." And the whole thing all circum- circulates back to the schedule of the NBA. And how that is right now, I don't think that's sustainable for long term to keep players happy, to keep uh, 
uh, television stations. Mm-hmm. So going it's back, lose. so going back to obviously, you know, should we care about the NBA? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was listening to Colin the regular Cowherd. season that is. Yeah, I, the yeah uh, the regular season. I was listening to Colin Cowherd and he was talking about you know uh, how fans can see. Uh, through stuff better than critics, mm-hmm. and obviously the critics are, you know, they're they're obviously criticizing the players for taking games off, but it's just really they don't feel like playing because the regular season doesn't matter to them. It's it's the playoffs what matters to at least teams that are mm-hmm. on national TV like the the Warriors, Celtics, the, yeah. the the Cavs, like that. So you know, should fans be caring? I mean, we're we're kind of analysts. We're you know we're we're, we're analysts, but we're also fans mm-hmm. as well. I mean, obviously we, we know you're a Bulls fan. So is it tough to care about the? regular season when it feels like the players are having not like not a, a good time just playing well, because they're just worried about their health and they're worried about so many outside things from what i feel like is i have a feeling that fans now are starting to get the impression of i bought this ticket to this game to see i'm going to use the example of uh, let's say i'm a guy in memphis i bought oh, this yeah. ticket to a memphis grizzly Cavs game because i want to see lebron james i want to see the big three mm-hmm. and they sit Oh my God, I am mad because I bought this ticket. That's the thing about sports, and it goes for any sports. Just because you buy that ticket doesn't mean someone has to play. It kind of puts the question in my mind, and I'll throw it out now. Are we playing a basketball season, or are we running Moron Mountain from Space Jam? Because that's what it feels like fans want. Let me put a chain to you. You're going to play this game and then sign autographs well- after that's but what then it again, like. you say that sports in general. I mean, I think you're talking about the Big Four specifically. Well, I'm talking because, about like any sport. Well, that's just not true because in the UFC, if a guy misses weight and is pulled off the card, fans can get their refunds because well, they want to see Well, that's a little different because it's one of the things well, where I'm, you, I'm, you said any sport. Yeah, I'm saying. But like, if they said, okay, let's say, if, and I don't know, UFC, you would know this better. Habib Habi- Nurmagomedov went- just recently missed weight and, and, and he pull, was pulled from the card mm-hmm. and just called me in a vet. He, the fans can and get they a got refund. Their money back. He, they can get a refund okay. because because he, he was he then was the, broadcasted and tell advertised to say he is playing this game. We see advertisements mm-hmm. for LeBron James supposed to be being be on mm-hmm. ABC. Yep. So shouldn't he be playing on ABC? See, and that's the thing that when it comes to the national games, the next CBA, I think it has to be because everyone's talking about who's got the leverage, the players of the league. What needs to happen is the league needs to come in and say we're going to fix the scheduling. How do we fix it? And it's a conversation. Of course, is it going to have to happen this perfectly? No. But we need to have a conversation about scheduling, mm-hmm. whether that means less games, whether that means spacing things out a little more. Yeah, that makes it a little longer. I wouldn't want that. I would go maybe for less games, but then you're taking away revenue money, which the NBA doesn't want to do because it's less games. The scheduling needs to be figured out for the players. And then what needs to happen is the NBA needs to have a rule then where it's like if you are nationally televised, your stars must play that game. If you're being advertised for it, well, they what? need to play. Figure out your rest somewhere Unless else. there's an injury. Unless it's injury, yeah, of course. Yeah, we're going to get but the then, uh, can. I'm a little sore tonight, Coach. I, uh, yeah. I'm not going to play. I mean, what if LeBron just has a bad back and can't play this one game? I yep. mean, but then what if the league – I mean, there's there, there's some definitely uh, – you know, there's some things well, that – there's a loop and that's, for that. And that's the one thing I liked – what Jalen Rose actually came up with was if we get something like that, okay, LeBron, you're going to sit for this national televised game. You don't get a DMP. 
you get zeros across the board on your stat line, which then gets factored into your average for the season. All right, what I want to what I which would then say, oh, I guess I'm not going to do that because players actually care yeah. about their stats. What I want to go back to is is again going about the carrying because mm-hmm. Dave, you you mentioned uh, other sports and how things are just too long, 82 yeah. games for basketball is too long, 162 games for baseball is too long. Absurd, yeah. uh, the world baseball the world baseball classic just happened. Mm-hmm. People are saying it's the best baseball they've watched in, in years. Like baseball Absolutely. was fun again. Yeah. Baseball had meaning, and it was a game. That happened in, in March, but you know it had a meaning. People wanted to see it, yep. and it was a short short tournament. Um, do you think that not even just in the NBA? Do you think that just that seasons are too long for players and for fans, and that it should be a condensed season? Obviously, I know it's not going to happen because these, these these leagues are making too much money on mm-hmm. it. But at least mm-hmm. from a fan perspective, would you like to see a shorter season, or do you think an eighty-two game season can work, but it needs to be spaced out more? I think that 82 is okay. The spacing, obviously, uh, my ideal picture would be to obviously cut a couple preseason games. We start a little bit early in October. We get rid of all of as many back-to-backs or four and fives as we can. Um, I think that you can manage with that. The other argument is obviously to drop it somewhere in the 60s, which, I'm, again, I'm That's okay with I'm that. That's what I'm for. And started on Christmas, just like the lockout year. Mm- well, they ran into scheduling issues mm-hmm. because of that with how many days off you can have in between because you're condensing the schedule. So, again, this came back to when LeBron decided that he wanted to take a week off for the All-Star break and made that the rules. Mm-hmm. And that's what's thrown all of this out of whack. So we have to adjust around to make these players happy, but at the same time to continue giving out that product to keep earning the dollars. Well, so that, that was I- one thing no one even thought about was, yeah, you're going to get more time for these two weeks. But it takes each side and makes it smaller. So and one yeah. thing too, I mean, like how much money are you actually going to be making for the NBA? I mean, if they do condense to a sixty-eight game season, well, money is what, money. Any money but, lost is bad for the league. Yeah, no, mind. that's why it's never going to happen. Yeah. but even with sixty-eight game season, you might have a clunker mm-hmm. that you think it's going to be great. Say the Knicks and and Bulls, and the Knicks and Bulls are just two bad teams, and right. and, and, and you know what's happening mm-hmm. in in uh, March right now. People aren't going to tune in to watch the game. You're just losing money because of that. Um, I just think it's so difficult, and then there's uh, something that Chris Broussard brought up, and he said one game, one way to make games more meaningful, at least in the regular season, to players is it's not based on seedings, the playoffs. It's based on like obviously like whoever has a better record is one versus mm-hmm. eight, but at least for home court, if the eight seed, so say the the Bulls right now, they're three mm-hmm. and one, they're three and zero right now against the Cavs. If they play the Cavs, they would get home court advantage because they beat them in the regular season. Huh. So, do you think that could be a workaround where you still keep they the eighty-two games, yeah. but you still have to play the meaningful games? Where you know, if you know Brooklyn's not going to be in the playoffs, then you can rest against Brooklyn. Um, but then, pick and you know, choose your but, battles. But then again, you know, Cavs, Warriors, or, or Warriors, Spurs, you're not mm-hmm. going to see that resting. You know what I would like to see? It's not going to happen, but I only say this because, of course, hockey's different. But I like what hockey does playoff-wise, where it's it's um, and Sean can correct me if I'm wrong. Top three teams from each division get in, and then mm-hmm. there's two wild card teams, which yes. could be from any division. Mm-hmm. How you can do that in basketball? You have six. You have six teams that make the playoff from a division. So two from the Atlantic, two from the Central, top two from the Southeast, automatically get in, six, and then two wait. wild cards from any of the. Okay, divisions. so the top three. Well, there's so the, the top three from each division. The, well, that's the thing. It could be a team from the, it could be one team from the Central and one team from the Atlantic. Or no, if it's I'm competitive, saying, it could be. No, the he, he wants this to remain as eight teams total. Yeah, it's going to be an eight two, team two, two, playoff, and then a two wild. But okay, it's two, okay. two, two, yeah. two, and then so two wild. Let's just, let's just the Eastern Conference. So mm-hmm. Boston, Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, Cavs, Bucks, mm-hmm. and Washington, Atlanta. 
and then it would be the Raptors and the, no, the Raptors Pacers. are in. You said. Are the um? It would be, be the, the Pacers, Pacers and, and the heat. heat. Okay, so that's the way. Which way? But how how does that solve making games more meaningful? With me, it's one of the things where, in this case, like looking at at this case, not a ton. But it's one of those things where maybe that's a workaround. You look into it because that was the one big thing that I know for me I hated when they're like, we're going to go away from divisions. It's like, why have divisions then? Mm -hmm. Maybe then we have to say, hey, for the scheduling, we're going back to divisions and we're going to make these the kind of central Rebuild rivalries kind of a thing. That, That could work. But I'm talking more for travel, too. Because so teams, I feel like because it's been so, like the league is so national, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, we're going to have this team who's popular fly all over the United States in this month's span. I know the Bulls have the like the circus tour, but that's something that you know. I mean, they've got the rodeo tours. You've got got a bunch of different uh, stadiums that host additional events. Uh, Mm -hmm. Honestly, I I was thinking you were going with the uh, playoff reseeding. Every time from that hockey, could work, oh, that could that's work interesting too. too. That could work too. But honestly, I think uh, I think when it comes down to it, to to put it simply, is the regular season is there to filter out bad teams, so you can have a bracketed tournament mm-hmm. to decide who's the best in the league. And whether it's eighty-two, whether it's one hundred and sixty-two, you know, that's or, or sixteen. That that's on you to decide what's best for your sport. But to be honest, I, I don't think necessarily that by adding, you know, by having a season so much longer. Is really helping filter the town. It's awesome when baseball, 162 games, 162 games done, and you still get a tie, and you got that play-in game. The atmosphere is awesome for you that. Too. You get the playing game to and the, the one game to the wild, wild card. card. Yeah, like, didn't we have this that past year? I we think did. We did. We did, and that that adds a different level because we had the Cardinals, Mets, and somebody else anyways, was tied for yeah, it. But but that adds something else. But it's just like trying to put a focus in a real thing. Mm-hmm. It, it depends on who you're trying to appease. If you're trying to make you know money for the league. You want a longer season. If you're trying to keep the fans interested and engaged all the time, shorter season. But if you're trying to make the players happy, like it's again, you have to balance this out, and it's a balancing act that's not well, an easy solution. And, and one thing I want to I want to bring up is uh, Colin Cowherd mentioned in, in his talk that he he had about this, and he said that college games have been more watched than NBA games mm-hmm. this year. It's just been because you know obviously the resting players and, and stuff like that. That college players are not taking these games off; they're playing a shorter season. Would you say that a 35, 36 game schedule would make sense for the NBA? Or is there too much to, at least for you, would there be too much basketball lost for you? And you know, you, then you're making it a, a collegiate game and not a professional game. Do you think because yeah. the pros are, 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 are getting paid more money that they should be having a longer season? Uh, I think, I don't think pay to season length has any association. I've seen the arguments for it. But I totally don't believe it because you can't go back on that. You're not going to suddenly tell a player that, oh, your contract, we're going to renegotiate that because you're now playing 20 games less. Like That's, no, that's no, never going to happen. That. I'm not saying that. You're saying because they're getting paid, should they be playing I mean, more yes. games? I honestly think that everybody just loves to watch like tournament games, and that's because college made that such a giant thing and inclusive of so many different teams that they pull in so much more from it. And that's what they're. I think the uh, March Madness as a whole has earned more money than like the entire basketball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, it's it's crazy. Well, so my my solution is, fuck it. Let's just take it back a notch and make the playoffs a bigger bracket. So put them all 30, 30 teams in. First round <laughs> is a best of three. 
Second round, and, and we just expand out that. I one. would say, I would say, first round is just a fucking one game. You might, you might. Just a one game. You could do a one game, then a best of three, then a best of five. Then could you, or, could you imagine Brooklyn beating the Cavs? How crazy! I, I think that would be awesome because yeah, we're gonna get some shitty games mm-hmm. out there, but you're also gonna yeah, get upsets. Well, and everybody loves upsets. Well, hold on, math wouldn't work. So then Brooklyn, uh, uh, you need teams with buys. Uh, yes, but but, but regardless. Yeah. I think that turning the playoffs into a larger tournament could be interesting, mm-hmm. could provide us with more parity, could provide us with that kind of wild card factor I don't that know. makes college so fun. I don't know if you guys remember my shower thought that I had about the NCAA tournament, but they should get rid of regular season games, pretty much what I said, make it a 256-team tournament, and yeah. just, just go balls to the walls. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to keep that one uh, down, Pat. The one thing I'm thinking in my head a great idea. is, Sean, I want to ask this question to you. Yeah. Because out of all three of us, I know Dave's the biggest hockey fan here, but you're you the next it. biggest hockey fan. Yep. Then that's sarcasm. Sean is the biggest hockey fan out of all of us. The one thing... You didn't this see is, Dave's NHL playoff previews last year? No, I didn't. They were but, hot, uh, <laughs> hot takes. The, the one thing that they asked, because they had Barry Melrose on, and they kind of threw the question at him just to start before the hockey talk, and he mentioned, going back, this is the players resting yeah. and stuff. He said you don't really see that in the NHL, that it's a different kind of... No. Attitude in the NHL, and I just I listen to that and listen to him talk, and I go, why don't we have that attitude because in the NBA? Because to it, me, the perfect season for me is football. It's too, yeah, well, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, you can't do that with basketball because there's too many teams. Well, I just mean because of the parity. Like, look at the Falcons; yeah. they were oh, crap two years ago, and then Super Bowl this 16 year. Sixteen games make all sixteen games mm-hmm. important compared yeah. to eighty-two games, where you can lose a couple. Mm-hmm. Games it's kind of like college football, off. even more magnified. Yeah, because yeah, you have one but that, but, you have but I think that, that yeah. plays more to football. Where you can't play I 82 agree. games of football, people would be dead. <laughs> you, you can play 82 yeah. games of basketball. They've right. been doing it for years. Um, with hockey, though, it's just a different. It's a different culture. The whole point. I mean, you see guys take slap shots to the leg, and it snaps their legs, and they finish their shift, mm-hmm. and they're on the floor with a minute for a broken leg, trying to finish the <laughs> play out and make sure a goal isn't scored. Where in the NBA, are you telling you me know, Paul Pierce on the wheelchair? Hey, I'm not saying some, I'm not saying I'm not saying some guys, but most guys, you know, if they if they're going to cramp, they're going to make sure that they can play like longer on in the season. And and I know that 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 hockey mention is Gregory Campbell, and that was a playoff game for for the NHL. But it's just a different mindset. It's it's a different mindset and, and culture between the two sports. And I think it, 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 the culture for the NBA doesn't have to change to be like hockey and 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 mock the 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 culture of the NHL because well, obviously it would basketball never, it would never be able to but, even if it wanted to. But also to. basketball. I mean, it's a more popular sport. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a the sport culture of individual stars. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's not the culture that's affecting the NBA. It's not the the lack of toughness or playing you know eighty two games and, and and staying out on shifts with a broken leg and taking a, a, a skate to the throat and you know finishing and playing two weeks later like mm-hmm. Clint Malarchuk. Like you you have players just in the NBA where it's a it's a quicker pace sports it's a more uh accessible sport for people compared to hockey where you know it's a lot of money to to get into hockey mm-hmm. especially where, if you're a goalie yeah with, with, with basketball it's it's easy basketball you just need a ball you and a basket need, it, 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 even that I mean you need you just trash bag yeah. yeah I mean you could you so can I'm saying anything. an actual basket yeah it's it's <laughs> it's it's something that's more accessible so I don't think the culture for the NBA needs to change. I think it's the length of play and, and the season that needs to change because I'll be completely honest with you. I've been watching more college basketball than I'm watching NBA, so mm-hmm. I should probably be on the primetime podcast. Well, like, it's one of like, those things. It's just something. It's, it's tough to. It's tough to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tough to you know watch these games when you know you're going to see stuff 
repeated over and over again and and, and one yeah. uh, like it's it's you know you see the stuff that at least for this year and I'll let them mm-hmm. in a little bit more like we've seen our stuff go down a little bit when it comes to the NBA but when we're talking about the draft that mm-hmm. stuff's doing better than ever because people are more interested in college basketball because, about what's because, coming in. because there's so much uh, kind of uh, what's it called? There's so much uh, intensity mm-hmm. in those college games. These kids are putting it on the line where I think people I'm also, think that NBA players are kind of faking it every night. I'm also going to put a second factor into that, and maybe this is a little bit of why the draft does so so well compared to everything else. There's only To me, there's only two teams that can win the championship. Every other team then is looking to the well, draft. Every other fan base is looking to the to draft. counter that, the Boston Celtics, you said that they're going to be I'm able hoping. to overcome the, that's the why I'm Cavaliers. That's why I'm making those predictions. I, I, think, I, want, I want parody in I, this league. I think that we will. I think that, A, we're on a road to parody because we mentioned this earlier. Mm-hmm. I want it's it. It's kind of taking a full circle mm-hmm. where teams are building their big three through the draft and not through free agency. They'll be able to maintain those big threes. Yep. Um, but also, I think the biggest thing we saw that the NBA can be entertaining. Just look at last mm-hmm. year. Just look at how much fun we had and how we almost killed each other in the NBA Finals. How much fun that was watching Steph Curry and watching uh, LeBron James and watching that comeback and watching that three-one lead. I mean, the NBA season last year was fun, and I, I don't an and, and I don't think it had anything to do with rest. I think it just had to do with something about the players caring. A light bulb just snapped off into my head. What is it, tinfoil? The one thing. This is total tinfoil, but. Kind of to go off of Dave's idea, what he was thinking, like having a tournament, I figured it out. The one thing I love about college basketball and why the regular season, like non-conference. We're going to Malibu? Wait, just wait for it. So I don't like, to me, non-conference is the only part of the basketball season where I watch a game here or then, but I'm not close. You don't like watching Kentucky and North Carolina on a boat? No, it's conference time. It's that, and the thing with conference play is... No matter where you are seated, like in the Big Ten, I'm going to use them for example, it doesn't matter what place you finish in, everyone gets a nod to the Big Ten tournament, gets a chance to win that tournament for an automatic bid. Here's what you do if you're the NBA. You make divisions more important. You make the regular season less. Then you say, you know what? Based you off also the make t- conference more important. You make you conference do. more important. You say, based off of the after the regular season, which is already shorter, you're having six individualized divisional tournaments that will set up the seeding. First, the first overall in the division gets a bye. You have a best of five between the first two. They move on to the next round. Winner gets the first overall seed. Makes it important to be number one in the regular season. You get a little tournament to set up seeding. And then boom, you have your playoffs. How it is right now? Tinfoil. I think you could simplify it. I think you're going on the on the way with division. I mean, you're copying ba- college basketball, but I go think, for it. I think you you can go with conference. And I think you can go with division. I think that's good enough because look back at baseball. Mm-hmm. When did you guys love baseball? Like old baseball steroids. Okay, not steroids. Sammy <laughs> <laughs> Sosa, Mark. What did you What did you always love? You always love you always loved the Cubs versus the Cardinals because uh-huh. it was, you always knew you were going to get great games from them because you're they meant so much. Wars. But then yeah. also in those June July you get interleague. But mm-hmm. now they've gotten rid of that, and, yeah. and, and, and now it's like, well, well oh. it starts sooner. It could start day one. But yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah. the, the, it's not a set. It's time. not a showcase yeah. of the season. I liked when it, there was interleague play yeah. in Major League Baseball. It was mm-hmm. something to look forward to. Like when the I Cubs and can, Sox actually played two full series. I think that you hit Christmas. Yeah. You hit Christmas all the way up to the All Star break. That's when you do West versus East mm-hmm. games, and before. 
Christmas and after the All-Star break, that's when you do East, East, West, West. I think that's what you do. And you kind of build the, the you build up the the, uh, the the schedule there where it's important in the, from the first game because if you lose that first game, mm-hmm. then you're screwed. And, or you no. might be screwed going into the last game. I think it's something where the schedule can be fixed to fix the NBA mm-hmm. because and who the hell wants to watch the Celtics versus the Kings on a Wednesday I mean, night? I do, but I'm more of a fan. I, I enjoy... Oh, sorry, Dave. I, again... Sorry, you want to watch Scale Abyssier and Willie Cauley Snyder. All the other like, I'm going to speak yeah. for the versus, rest of MVP and say Ter- we're not watching versus that with you. Terry Rozier because I, Isaiah Thomas is sitting out. Look, again, the, the, the reason there's value Louisville. in the regular season is to is it's it's a overall story of your franchise. It's watching players grow, mm-hmm. watching the teams develop chemistry, watching how they're going to build. It's If you look at it as an individual game, it's meaningless. But if you look at it as a whole story being told over the season of how oh, your franchise is going... It's it's completely it's engaging all the time and you can turn on four different games and you're like, hey, I've watched the Knicks play this whole season. I've watched the decline. I've watched the little peak in the middle. And then it's like, what are they doing as a franchise? It leaves you with more questions and thoughts. And I think it's for more hardcore fans. The season has value. But for casual fans, you need those marquee matchups. But how many hardcore fans do we I have know. overall? Well, that's that's the thing. Is clearly the NBA still has a lot, mm-hmm. but they're also what I what I value about the NBA is they're a league that ha- the values change, and they're a league that doesn't want to be outdated. Mm-hmm. So I think what's interesting is we're talking about these you know potential changes to not copy straight out, but to you know go based off of the success that we're seeing and the engagement levels and intensity of college basketball. I could honestly see them making some of these changes to turn this into a, a definitely a more interesting season. Dave, you're a son of a bitch because I want I was I was had a nice roundup, but now I want to keep talking because you brought up something. It's something where you have a, a, a game that is so accessible to players and, and so accessible to young fans, mm-hmm. and I think basketball is missing out on the market. Basketball should be the most popular sport in the in, in in the world I mean at least at least in the US yeah I, I don't see how football is the most popular sport I, mm-hmm. I, I basketball should be able to capitalize that and I think they are mix, mixing up on that you see how many hardcore fans there are how, how much they do love their their things you can be able to tap into this you have so many different markets you have so many places that you know, don't touch Utah doesn't have a football team but Utah probably likes football more than do like basketball they got the Utes. Okay, no professional. NFL. Oh, NFL. Okay. I'm like, they, got, uh, they, they like their Utes the out NFL, there. But I'm saying, I would the probably Utes. say there's probably more Bronco fans than there are Utah Jazz fans. And it's just the way that the, the, the NBA has been built. Mm-hmm. I think you can tap into how popular the NBA is. Look at the 90s. Look at the 80s. The NBA was huge. You, you kind of saw a dip off after Jordan left. Correct. And you kind of seen some peaks where, where, LeBron, where LeBron can bring in players. You should want to see the Utah Jazz take on the Cleveland Cavaliers because you're going to be seeing the greatest basketball player that we've seen not named Michael Jordan, come to your town. I think there's something where you can tap into those casual fans and make them hardcore fans because, yes, there's 82 games, but you can make those 82 games important. What is it's football, just about scheduling. What does football have right now that the NBA, to me, has lost? Divisions. Not divisions, but those rivalries. If it's a divisional game, even if oh, it's I agree with the rivalry, Raiders yeah. and the Chiefs, you're watching that game because it's two teams that two fan bases that really don't like each other because they play in the same division. I mean, who even, wants to watch the Bulls beat the Raptors every single even time? If it's, even if it's, well, except that one game, yeah. but we got the final <laughs> punch. But uh, even if it's the Patriots and the Colts, Peyton Manning is long gone, but those two well, fan bases still hate each other 
for all the other like yeah you still we hate each other because they pets call us out for the flake gate and I want to beat them 45 10 every time we see them but no even before that like the games that they have had yeah. together in that and like they're like that's the thing I think the NBA needs is it needs to tap back into those rivalries those games like how many times White. watching teams like you say Cubs I hate the Cardinals. And whenever we play you the Cardinals, I want to beat the Cardinals. Why isn't the Lakers and Celtics more mm-hmm. brought? Like, why isn't mm-hmm. that? That should be a marquee matchup every single year, but it's not. Maybe that's because the Lakers have been down recently, but that should be a marquee well, matchup every single year. The other thing, yeah, that the NBA is doing to help that is you mentioned earlier, it's trying to keep these teams together longer. It's trying to keep the marquee players. You build a, you build a player into a franchise, and mm-hmm. that franchise now has a face, and you can keep that face around for more than a couple years at a time without having to worry. So you get more sustained success more face time because the NBA is a star-driven league. Do you think the NBA is getting to a place where the regular season will become more important because of the point you just made? I I think they are. I think they're making the right adjustments, and I think that they can continue to, like I said, because they're willing to do whatever it takes to make this league successful. They will change the rules. They will change the schedule. They will do whatever they can to make sure their product is successful, and they're not afraid to make make changes and be wrong. Ricky, what I want to say is, building off of that, Mm -hmm. do they need to change what is going— do you think the the change of making stars for teams is enough, or do you think they still need to change the schedule? Because I, your your biggest thing is parity. If they're able to create parity with what Dave just said, do you think that the schedule means that much as we were building up to start the season I or like, start this topic? I like less games because then what you're basically it's not going to happen do, though. I know it's not, yeah. but I'm saying in a perfect in my perfect world, I like lesser games. I'm not saying like thirty. I'm saying like shave about maybe ten games at the least mm-hmm. off of the schedule. Then what you're doing is if you still want that rest for the All Star break. We have, oh, a shorter thing, but, oh, there's less games in there, so we can spread those games out more. I think the biggest thing with the NBA, on top of the making somebody like the face of a franchise, going back to divisions, building those inter-divisional rivalries. Like, the the one thing that you would never see right now, I mean, if you're talking old Pacer Knicks fans, hate each other. Hate each other for the matchups they have gone up against in the playoffs. If you ask a modern like Pacer fan that grew up after that probably doesn't hate the Knicks as much. Well, and also the Knicks and Bulls should be a better, bigger rivalry. It should. It should be. But it's, like it's there lost, should be so it. many different rivalries. Even like us and the Cavs or us and the Pacers. I feel like the interdivisional rivalries haven't really come to the same fruition that like you see in baseball, you see in hockey, you see mm-hmm. in the NFL. It's the one thing that the NBA to me has lacked, and the thing that. The reason why in college basketball I love conference season so much, those teams know each other. Those teams hate each other, and most times those teams see each other twice a year. And Dave, you talked about you know telling a story. We wouldn't be talking about Devin Booker if we weren't telling a story. So, I mean, obviously there's something going on with the NBA that it's taking fans away, but I think they can still bring them back. And I think that the NBA should be the largest the largest uh, sport in, in in America, and, and basketball should be the largest sport it's in so America. Easily because accessible. It's, it's accessible and such an exciting game. I just feel like they're not tapping into it enough. And there's not the injury problems that the NFL currently faces. And you don't have the you have a great commissioner in Adam Silver, where you don't have that in, in Roger Goodell. And there's less problems, at least from you know sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug issues. I mean, there's less problems in the NBA, but the NFL kings because maybe it's the violence of the violent. But I don't know. Anyways, uh, great talk, guys. We talked. Uh, we talked NBA regular season. Mm-hmm. We talked. 
Uh, we talked. We talked uh, to Der- uh, Devin Booker. We talked to mm-hmm. Boston Celtics and Cleveland uh, uh, Cavaliers. I'm losing my train of thought. I will be next back next week. Uh, probably talking NBA draft because uh, we're getting closer closer to the Final Four. I hope. Uh, shout out to Mike Miller and the Denver Nuggets. And uh, for- is that why you wore the hat? Yeah, totally. <laughs> for Dave Oster, for Ricky Whitmer, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.